Many legendary musicians were born between May 21st and June 21st, making them Geminis. Artists like Bob Dylan, Kendrick Lamar, Tupac, Biggie, Paul McCartney, Miles Davis, Lauryn Hill, and of course, Kanye West. Dance, don't give Kanye a chance, cause I'm a Gemini with two sides and two rides. Y'all talking business, I'm peeping the thighs. Here on his early 2003 mixtape, I'm Good, Kanye cites his astrological sign rapping, don't give Kanye a chance, cause I'm a Gemini with two sides and two rides. That two sides line is actually a reference to Castor and Pollux, the mythological twin half-brothers who are the symbol for the Gemini sign. There are two halves to a Gemini, just as there are two conflicting halves to Kanye West, the emotional, ambitious man who desperately wants to change the world, and the indulgent, egotistical man who can't resist the 500 and out-of-control celebrity lifestyle. From that early mixtape in 2003 through Yeezus in 2013, Kanye has addressed these warring parts of himself that so often result in behavior that leaves his personal and public life in chaos. And in terms of the story arc on Yeezus, this ongoing internal conflict really comes to a head on the song Guilt Trip, where Yeezus will be forced to finally confront who he was, who he's become, and who he wants to be. From Spotify, I'm Cole Kushner, and this is Dissect, long-form musical analysis broken into short, digestible episodes. Today we continue our serialized examination of Kanye West Yeezus with its eighth track, Guilt Trip. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Last time I dissect, we examined Yeezus' seventh track, Blood on the Leaves. The end of this epic saga of a broken relationship officially signals the beginning of the final act of the album's three-act structure. During Act 1, Yeezus lives a manic, celebrity life full of posh indulgences. He then strives to do more with his power and inspire people to join his social revolution. But his volcanic ego overwhelms his good intentions, so people refuse to follow his attempted leadership. Come on, homie, what happened? 
You niggas ain't breathing, you gasping. These niggas ain't ready for action. Ready, ready for action. During Act 2, we see Yeezus recoil from his failed cultural ambitions and retreat from the public realm. This forces him to look within and confront his demons. A broken, lonely man, Yeezus visits a past lover on the album's fifth song, Hold My Liquor. Based on that interaction, we can assume the relationship ended poorly, but we don't exactly know why. While Yeezus shows some vulnerability at first with his ex, his ego eventually takes over and upends the encounter. On the song I'm In It, we witness Yeezus rebound from someone who had potential to care for him to someone that satisfies his sexual desires. These two songs led to Blood on the Leaves, the true climax of the album. It's here that Yeezus reveals a tragic backstory that explains much of his loneliness and erratic behavior. Sometime in his past, he'd been in a loving relationship that changed once money and fame entered the picture. The limelight, he says, tore this girl away from him. fallout from this lost love embittered our hero. Where we thought ego alone made Yeezus the asshole he's been, the truth is it's grief that's driven him headlong into such a destructive lifestyle, a wash in the limelight he loathes, focused only on the present because the past and future remind him of what he's lost. By the end of Blood on the Leaves, our main character finds a connection between the materialism and consumerism he denounced in the first act of the album, and his cyclical pattern of failed relationships documented in the second act. The pursuit of wealth and fame not only makes us new slaves serving billionaire masters, it also destroys relationships and makes love impossible as men and women see each other as only a means to an end. At this point, Yeezus seems to realize he can either continue to live an acrid, forsaken life at the top of the mountain, or give up the fantasy he's escaped into, benefiting from a strong dose of reality. With all this in mind, let's dive into the album's next song, the beginning of Act 3, Guilt Trip. To call it on. To, to, Guilt Trip was produced by Kanye West, S1, and Mike Dean, with additional production by Travis Scott and Aki Juice Rockers. The foundation for the song is provided by a deep, distorted bass synth and equally distorted drum beat, which features a distinct crushed snare drum. Over the top of this foundation, we hear a fluttering, rising synth coming in and out of the mix. Finally, a simple but emotive piano riff is heard throughout, giving the track a plaintive, introspective quality. While still in a darker minor key, musically, Guilt Trip leans into a more dreamy, contemplative sound that we heard in Act 2, contrasting the aggressive dissonance of the opening four tracks. 
We can therefore expect that Kanye will continue to express a vulnerable side that's more in line with what we heard on the previous track, Blood on the Leaves. I need to call it on. Jesus sings, I need to call it off. I need to, I need to make it known. In the wake of the breakthrough of Blood on the Leaves, it appears that Jesus now knows he must break up with the woman he's with. Unavoidably aware of the cycle he's trapped in, he knows the relationship is never going to grow more meaningful because it's purely transactional, sex and company, in exchange for a taste of the limelight. And it's the next line that confirms the hollow nature of this dynamic. He sings, another one, something gone. Jesus keeps burning through these types of women, which says as much about him as it does them. He then paints a brief but striking portrait. The woman is a, quote, Capricorn, dancing out on the lawn, fancy like the things she likes. This is one of the album's most vivid and poetic images. In just three lines, we understand this woman, mind, body, and soul. Capricorn refers to the zodiac sign. Each zodiac sign is, of course, associated with some sort of symbol or figure. For Leo, it's a lion. Sagittarius, it's an archer. For Capricorn, it's a horned goat. The idea is that each sign has an archetype that can explain someone's personality. It's said that Capricorns are smart, hardworking, and always get what they set their mind to. Jesus follows up the Capricorn line with the sight of this woman dancing in the grass. People dance because they're happy, because it feels good, because it gathers and expresses something primal that's beyond language. And she's not just a woman dancing on the lawn, but a Capricorn dancing on the lawn. This gives her a sort of mythical aura, an otherworldly ambience that's undoubtedly alluring upon first sight. But people also dance for attention, because they want to draw the gaze of a crowd or an individual. So is this a moment of simple, human beauty? Or is this a calculated use of the female form to lure a wealthy man who has money to burn? Can it be both? Kanye's summation is that the woman is, quote, fancy like the things she likes. In one sense, her ability to be fancy empowers her. She's lovely to look at, something to cherish for its appearance. But aside from the superficial, what more is there? In the eyes of Jesus, she's more of an ornament than a person. Geminis are smart, dynamic, and passionate. Their romantic relationships tend to be intense, and they're most compatible with Aries, Leos, and Libras. They are not compatible, however, with Capricorns. And thus, those last two lines of the intro see Jesus and this woman going their separate ways. She lives her life, I'm living mine. This is the change Jesus needed to make coming out of blood on the leaves, where he saw men and women using one another to accrue more social power, to get a taste of the limelight, to get to the top of the mountain. By reflecting on these women who want to be bad bitches and these men who want to be mad rich, Jesus understands the cruel carousel he's been a prisoner of. He realizes that if he stays with this woman or keeps dating these women who only see him as a wallet, he would end up walking a path that led to annihilation, to an unholy matrimony. Per the Yeezus aesthetic, vulnerability is balanced by aggression, as Guilt Trip continues with a hook performed by yet another Jamaican artist. 
This time it's dancehall DJ Popcan. The lines we hear from Popcan are actually sampled from his guest verse on Pusha T's track, Blocka. This type of shit happen every day All them are going to match up and I'm clear None of them have the guts to rise it and spread None of them have the guts to bust the escape Popcan's lines here roughly translate to This is the type of shit that happens every day All of them acting hard are softer than clay None of them have the guts to rise it and spray None of them have the guts to bust the SK at this point in the album, it should be no surprise that Kanye brings in a sample from an incredibly aggressive song in order to mark the Yeezus character's inner conflict and battle with his own ego. His sensitive sensibilities are always immediately challenged by his aggressive tendencies as he's caught between what's good and what's evil, between the man he wants to be and the egomaniac he can't help but being. It's a duality in line with this Gemini sign. The line we hear sampled and looped in the hook of Guilt Trip is all of them are going softer than clay, and it's not taken from the original Pusha T track, but rather a remix of the song by Aki Juice Rockers, an electronic duo from Italy. Popcan uses this description as the beginning of a contrast between other people and himself. They're soft, weak, and feeble like clay, while he's hard, strong, and aggressive and he has the guts to fire a gun at his rivals. It's a direct match to the mentality Assassin expressed on I'm In It. But it is interesting that we only hear the line about being soft, and none of the other lines at this point. As has been revealed, especially on Blood on the Leaves, Jesus does want to be more like Clay, to shed his aggressive side and give himself over to a woman. But it's unclear if his ego will ever allow him to truly do this. Maybe it's cause she into Leo's and I was in the trios for all the trips to Rio. Couldn't it help? It's getting cold. Better bring the ski clothes, peek it through the keyhole, the door like by myself. Guilt Trip's first verse starts with more astrology talk. Yiza says, Maybe it's cause she's into Leo's and I was into trios. Plus all the trips to Rio couldn't have helped. Leos are a fire sign, typically associated with big, affirmative emotions, humor, positivity, generosity, none of which are traits we would associate with Jesus. Simply put, the woman wanted someone he wasn't. Jesus openly admits that his desire for threesomes and trips to Rio added to the relationship woes. This is a standout moment in the album because it marks the first time Jesus has openly and candidly admitted a fault in his behavior with women. Kanye West, the storyteller, has certainly signaled Yeezus' polarizing presence throughout, most notably during Hold My Liquor, when the woman's aunt calls Yeezus a hopeless loner addicted to sex. But this is the first time the character has expressed that same self-awareness himself. His request for a threesome and trips to Rio would have caused tension in the relationship, due to distance and jealousy. These complications bring a chill to the relationship, which is why the next line is, It's getting cold, better bring your ski clothes. There's humor and irony in the line, as Rio de Janeiro is known for its warm weather. So what should be a light, enjoyable vacation has turned cold and uncomfortable. This thread continues with the next line, peeking through the keyhole. The image here is of a couple on vacation, but they can't even be in the same room together. He's so close, yet impossibly far away from forming a lasting connection with this woman. And that's when Jesus admits fault again, saying, the door locked by myself. The door, the barrier between them, was not made by the woman, but by Jesus' own actions. 
Jesus continues, and I'm feeling it right now, because that's the time when my heart got shot down. This is a big clue. While we may have thought Jesus was telling us about what went wrong with the Capricorn, since she was the focus of the intro, the Capricorn didn't shoot Jesus' heart down. That honor belongs to the girl from the flashback on Blood on the Leaves. Recall that on that track, Kanye juxtaposed Jesus' present woes with women against the tragedy of a past romance. Guilt Trip operates in much in the same way. The end of the present-day relationship with the Capricorn causes a matured and thoughtful Jesus to look back at what truly went wrong in the relationship we learned about on Blood on the Leaves. It wasn't just the limelight that stole this girl. Jesus can finally acknowledge his own role in what went wrong. Jesus follows his admission with the repetition of the word blaka. On the surface, it's a clever way to express his heart being shot down as it cites the title of the song he pulled the pop can sample from. But seeing that Connie repeats the word three times, we realize that Blocka is also an interpolation of the famous Notorious B.I.G. song, Give Me the Loot. Biggie here describes a robbery scene, holding his victims at gunpoint. He specifically targets a woman, threatening to take everything she owns. If she resists, it's Blocka, onomatopoeia for gunshots. Just like the popcan sample, Kanye here cleverly flips a reference to something aggressive and threatening and uses it to showcase how weak the Yeezus character is. In this case, he isn't the one who takes from the woman. The woman is the one who took from him. When he resisted, he was shot down. Blocka, blocka, blocka. This reversal of ego into vulnerability continues with the next lines, pour a little champagne, cranberry vodka. Much like on Hold My Liquor, Jesus is drinking as a means of coping. But the beverage line also has a couple layers to it. First, it can refer to the ritual of pouring one out, known formally as libation, where an alcoholic drink is poured onto the ground in honor of someone who's been lost. In this case, Jesus mourns his heart being shot down. The line also interpolates a song by 3-6 Mafia called Roll With It. Much like Popcan, Juicy J boasts of his achievements on the streets and the difference between him and other men. Juicy J raps, a player drinking maker's marker, cranberry vodka, wearing a mink coat that's furry as Chewbacca. I saw your main girl and a player had to stop her. Her name wasn't Silk, but her face was the shocker. The drink for Juicy J is a celebration of his player status. But in yet another reversal, for Yeezus, the drink is something to drown his sorrow in. The addition of champagne in Kanye's line also adds another reversal. Typically, champagne is associated with special occasions or celebrations, so it's ironic that this is the beverage he chooses to wash away his pain. This leads to the next line, feeling lied to like parents never said you adopted. Kanye here compares the feeling of being betrayed by a woman to being betrayed by parents hiding the fact that you're adopted. Both change your whole sense of identity, leaving you to ask, who am I now? We get a sense that Jesus is asking himself just that as his mask of machismo is disintegrating, leaving him increasingly exposed. More on that right after the break. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. 
So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome back to Dissect. Before the break, we heard Yeezus present a series of referential reversals, citing lyrics that, in their original context, are meant to portray a cutthroat toughness, but are then flipped to expose the increasing vulnerability of our hero. As the only verse in Guilt Trip continues, so too does this sequence of reversals. Jesus continues with the line, your feelings like Zulu, then nothing is a Shaka. On the surface, the line plays off the famous African king Shaka of the Zulu kingdom. The most basic interpretation is that when you're so broken up by something, like the news that you're adopted or that you've been dumped, nothing else can really shock you. The name Shaka, of course, becomes a playful way of the word shocker. But a little research about Shaka Zulu gives this line an additional layer, as this is yet another modernization of black historical events on the album. The Zulu clan formed in 1709 in southern Africa and gained power after gathering together other regional clans. For decades, the Zulu were a part of the Mtethwa Empire. But after a messy succession following the death of the Zulu king and the Mtethwa chief, Shaka took the reins in this time of chaos. Highly organized, Shaka over the course of 12 years swept across the land, growing the Zulu from a clan to a kingdom. It's estimated that his empire covered nearly 12,000 square miles, about the size of the state of Maryland or the country of Belgium. Knowing this, the deeper interpretation of the guilt trip line is that when you're so broken up and distraught, nothing can be your shaka. You feel as if no one can unite, restore, or save you. Finally, there's one last layer to this line, and it's found back on the same Juicy J verse that was referenced earlier. Have another listen. Juicy raps, I saw your main girl and a player had to stop her. Her name wasn't Silk, but her face was the shocker. In the same way Kanye played with Shaka Zulu's name, Juicy J does the same with Silk the Shocker, a rapper popular in the late 90s on No Limit Records, the same label that was referenced on Blood on the Leaves. Where Juicy J used his line to insult another guy's girl, Kanye's interpolation further demonstrates Yeezus's vulnerability and yet another reference reversal. But Yeezus gains his edge back in the next lines. He raps, I hit her with Jamaican dick, I'm the new Shaba. This line is in reference to artist Shaba Ranks. As a Jamaican and Rastafarian, this adds to the album's ongoing motif of referencing or sampling Rastas and Jamaican artists. Shaba Ranks is best known for his 1992 track, Mr. Loverman. As you just heard, Shaba Rank ad-libs his name throughout the track, which we then hear Kanye mimic on Guilt Trip. But of course, we know that a reference on Yeezus is rarely just a simple reference, but rather an invitation to look deeper into the subject matter of the song. Mr. Loverman is full of sexually charged lyrics as it positions Shaba as a player who courts a seemingly endless array of women for sex. This recalls the transactional nature of relationships on Yeezus, a thread that continues with Guilt Trip's next line, she looking for her daddy, call me Big Papa. Daddy here is shorthand for Sugar Daddy, which is of course a man with money who financially provides for a younger, consenting adult in exchange for company, often sexual. By calling himself Big Papa, Jesus once again admits to the exchange of sex and money he's participated in throughout the album. 
But then there's also the reading that she truly is looking for her father. This alludes to not only the idea of fathers who abandon their families, but also calls back to the earlier line about finding out you're adopted. In both cases, you're left looking for your dad. This kind of abandonment leads some people to find replacement father figures, which can be good, like a coach, teacher, or mentor, or could be bad, like men who want to take advantage of women for sex. Jesus agreeing to be this girl's big papa means he's willingly complicit in either scenario. He'll either be her sugar daddy, or he'll happily benefit from her daddy issues. Of course, the line is also a reference to one of Notorious B.I.G.'s biggest hits, Big Papa. Just like the Juicy J reference coming back again, so too does Biggie, as his track Gimme the Loot was just nodded to a few lines back. Big Papa is a buffet of bars about Biggie's sexual prowess and appetite. While Yeezus attempts to channel that same energy, we know from the Gimme the Loot reference that Yeezus isn't really like Biggie. He's not the alpha gangster who robs, he's the victim who gets shot down. There's evidence that Kanye might be pointing us to a specific line of Big Papa, which occurs in the beginning of the song's second verse. Straight up, honey, really, I'm asking. Most of these niggas think they be macking, but they be acting. Who they attracting with that line? What's your name? What's your sign? Soon as he buy that line, Biggie raps, most of these N-words think they be macking, but they acting. Who they attracting with that line? What's your name? What's your sign? Throughout the album, Yeezus has pretended to be tougher and uncaring than he truly is. However, we know his heart is softer than clay, and that he tries to act like it's not. He wants to be like Shaba, like Biggie, but he cares too much. Note that Biggie mentions the men who think they're macking, ask what sign the girl is. Guilt Trip happens to be the only song in Kanye's discography where he describes a woman's zodiac sign. That could be coincidence, or it's part of the continued demystification of the Yeezus character from his initial presentation on On Sight. He went from seemingly macking at the highest levels, to being nothing more than a softy asking about the Zodiac. As Guilt Trip continues, Yeezus closes out the verse by doubling down on this surging ego. Guilt Trip continues with the declaration, on to the next saga focus on the future, and let the crew knock her. After his heart got shot down and he achieved his moment of catharsis on blood on the leaves, Yeezus now seemingly is looking ahead, putting behind him the things he can't change and moving on to the next saga. He's now disinterested with the girl that only wanted him for financial support. We then get the verse's final two lines, Star Wars fur, yeah I'm rocking Chewbacca, the one Chief Rocka, number one Chief Rocka. The Star Wars name drop pays off on the On to the Next Saga bar, while rocking Chewbacca cleverly equates this massively furry Star Wars character to the big, gaudy, and expensive fur coat Yeezus wears. But it also brings the verse full circle, back yet again to that succession of Juicy J bars Kanye has referred to now three times. As you recall, Juicy rapped, a player drinking Maker's Marker, Cranberry Vodka, wearing a mink coat that's furry as Chewbacca. We already discussed how Juicy J's drink was celebratory, while Yeezus's was an acknowledgement of pain. But six lines later, after Yeezus has finished wallowing and decided to move on to the next saga, both Yeezus and Juicy J rock the Chewbacca coat, ready to attract their next partner. This leads to the declaration that Yeezus is the number one chief rocker, meaning he's not only the top rock star in the world, but he can also rock clothes better than anyone, and that he'll physically rock any and all opponents. 
This sense of presence and power is confirmed by yet another historical hip-hop reference. This is the 1993 hit Chief Rocka by Lords of the Underground. Connie interpolates the hook almost verbatim. The lyrics of the song are all about being the best in hip-hop, an MC that's unrivaled and won't feel diminished by anyone. This Chief Rocka interpolation pays off on the Zulu reference earlier. Shaka was a king, a title interchangeable with chief. Where earlier Yeezus' feelings were in disarray, the decision to finally accept what he can't change and move on, to roll with it as Juicy J said, has allowed him to become the Chief Raka, to channel the spirit of Shaka and unite what his past pain had split apart. From the verse, we return to Pop Can's hook about everyone being softer than clay. Where before these words felt contrasting to Yeezus, they've now become applicable to his renewed confidence. This technique of a verse redefining the interpretation of the hook is something Kanye has done throughout his career. Kanye even includes the rest of Pop Can's lines from Blocka. None of them have the guts to rise it and spray. None of them have the guts to bust the SK. This of course refers to the idea that other men who are soft don't have the courage for the street life to actually fire a gun. After being broken on blood on the leaves and in the first part of Guilt Trip, Yeezus has undergone a process of catharsis and closure that's allowed him to feel like the Chief Raka again. But before we get too comfortable with this renewed sense of ego, we get the song's bridge, featuring the one and only Kid Cudi. Singing with great emotion, Cuddy asks three times, If you love me so much, then why'd you let me go? He then pleads over and over, let me go. This is now our third major instance of Kanye using two different artists to contrast vulnerability and ego. On Hold My Liquor, it was Justin Vernon versus Chief Keef. On I'm In It, it was Justin Vernon versus Assassin. And for Guilt Trip, it's Kid Cuddy versus Popcan. Following Kanye's only verse in the Popcan sample, the Cuddy interlude may seem like a step back. If he's ready to move forward, why is he still hung up on the woman who left him for the limelight? Given the nature of Cuddy's question, it seems Yeezus is looking for closure, some reasoning to make sense of where things went wrong. This is something I think we can all relate to. Whether it's in a romantic relationship, a friendship, or something a parent or sibling does, at some point we've been hurt by someone, discarded by somebody we thought loved us, and had no explanation for it, and we're left ruminating on why. What did you do that was so wrong? Was there something you could have said or done? If what you two had was so special, how could they possibly have left you? And down that depressive rabbit hole you go. 
What we all look for in this situation is closure. Instead of holding on to the questions and the pain and the memories, all of it like some Rubik's cube we can't figure out but can't put down. Sometimes the only closure available is acknowledgement of our pain, is the expression of that pain. Through talking, through writing, through screaming, we take that jumble that's inside and pour it out into the world. And sometimes that can be enough, which is why the repetition of let me go can feel less like Jesus questioning the former lover and more like him letting go of this burden he's refused to put down. Fittingly, Guilt Trip ends with an instrumental outro that features a distorted, driving drumbeat juxtaposed with an elegant cello melody. Hearing the contrast between these two instruments, and we can't help but think of the war of opposites that have reached its peak in Jesus, our Gemini, the god of Pollux versus the mortal caster, devil versus angel, superego versus id, anima versus animus. Whatever analogy you prefer, it's clear that Jesus will need to choose once and for all what life he'll lead and what kind of man he'll be. Conclusions Ever since Jesus failed in his revolutionary ambitions, we've watched him bounce from woman to woman. And as we learn about each of these women that make up his life, what we're really learning about is Jesus himself. Because it's not just the women who have been ruined by the limelight, he has been shattered as well. And his fallout from that damage has essentially split him in two. His protective ego and his buried vulnerability have completely mangled his persona. This is what creates such a captivating situation for the album's eighth track, Guilt Trip. After hiding from his past for so long, he reflects on a crucial memory and the events of Blood on the Leaves are revealed. Living this manic celebrity life has clearly robbed him of what he thought was true love. We therefore assume he now knows a change must be made. The romance on Guilt Trip then immediately carries a different tone. From the beginning, it doesn't feel like this Gemini and this Capricorn are meant for one another. She's fancy like the things she likes, which means she's part of the starfucker crowd that Jesus is trying to move past. At the same time, Jesus is finally starting to acknowledge his own faults in ruining these relationships. He's asking for threesomes and placing barriers between them, which is no way to act if you're truly looking for love, for the woman to make you feel whole again. By the end of the track, we see Jesus channel his destructive ego once again, seemingly falling back into normal behaviors. He calls himself the new Shaba, Big Papa, and the number one chief Raka. But this too is immediately countered by Kid Cudi's feature, as he agonizingly wonders, if you love me so much, then why'd you let me go? And then pleads, let me go. As an audience, we know enough about our character now to understand that he must drop the misogynistic, indulgent persona in order to attract the woman he wants, the woman he needs, the woman who, as alluded to at the end of New Slaves, 
will restore our hero so that he may emerge from behind the somber lake and shine once again. Having seen his sensitive side and the genuine desire for love revealed beneath the mask of arrogance, we know that he's capable of doing this. And this is what makes what happens next on the album all the more painful. This the crazy shit in the club. Sis in the club. It's so packed, I might ride around on my bodyguard back like Prince in the club. She said, Can you Back in the club, we'll see how Yeezus handles one final test of temptation on the album's next track, Send It Up. A song we'll examine note by note, line by line, next time on Dissect. Today's episode was written by Chris Lambert, Travis Bean, and me. If you enjoyed today's episode, please tell a friend about the show or share on social media. It really helps. Theme music by Bureaucratic. Audio editing by Eric Bass and me. Song recreations by Andrew Atwood. Be sure to follow us on social media at Dissect Podcast. And check out our limited Season 8 merchandise on our website, dissectpodcast.com. If you want even more episodes on Kanye, listen to Season 2 of this podcast. The 16 episode analysis of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. All right, thanks everyone. Talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>